0: Man, man, that's all I can really say right now. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes these moments are just like, man, Lord, like, I don't even want to say anything. Like, I just want to sit and be still and just know that you are God. I just want to sit still. Like, can we just sit still for just like a moment? Is that okay? I just want to take a moment and just, and just like sit in silence and just recognize that the Lord is God. amen I think we're ready now I think we're ready man let me ask you a question have you ever received or given a hint to somebody or someone when I was younger maybe I was like you know around 10 maybe 8 or 10 and I remember I was walking around Walmart and I saw this DS And I don't know if you remember what a DS is, but it's a Nintendo DS where you can play like Super Mario, you can play Pokemon, all these kind of things. And I remember I was like, dude, I want that DS. So what I did with my mom, I was like, hey mom, that DS looks really cool. Looks really nice, you know, you can play Mario on it. I know you love Mario, mom. And every time the commercials came on for the DS, I was like, hey mom, that's crazy. The DS is on the TV, that's insane. And then every time my friend got one at school, I'd be like, Mom, guess what? I got to play with my friend's DS. I was trying to send my mom a lot of hints because I really wanted it for Christmas. I was like, you know, please. And so, uh, you know, Christmas time came around. I was like, hey, Mom, you know, it's Christmas time. That would be kind of cool. You know, you know, the DS I've been talking about all year. And uh, I got the DS. So it was kind of cool. It's like, all right, cool. <laughs> But, uh, you know, maybe you've given another kind of hint or received another kind of hint. And and really, guys, I'm just going to talk to you because some of us are a little oblivious in this area. But, guys, have you ever had someone come up and tell you and say, dude, get the hint. Get the hint. She's doing this. She's doing this. She's doing the hair thing. She really wants to be around you all the time. Dude, I think she likes you. (laughs) I didn't say it you said it you said it you know I'm grateful for those men in our lives they're like yeah bro get the hint get the hint And and so as I think about that and as we get into the passage that we're in I feel almost like we could be saying that get the hint hello open your eyes open ears get the hint and so as we read the passage and as we study, it, I hope that's something that just kind of comes in our minds of like, okay, we need to get the hint. And so I haven't, if I haven't met you yet, if I wasn't able to say good morning to you, my name is Misaid, and so hello. Uh, this morning, uh, we are no longer in our sermon series of Greater Than, and we're starting a new sermon series uh, called Resurrection Encounters. And it will lead up all the way until Easter Sunday. where We're going to look at six particular resurrection encounters that people had in the scriptures. And let's be honest, you know, Christianity or being followers of Jesus, it, it rises or it falls on the resurrection of Jesus. Because if the resurrection is not real, then everything falls apart. Because the resurrection truly has shaped the past, it shapes our present, and it truly shapes the future. Everything hinges on the resurrection. And and my hope, and this is my prayer as we were doing the Lord's Supper, my hope is that we would never get tired of the gospel. Man, that is my hope and my prayer. And and another hope and prayer of mine is that maybe we would encounter the resurrection fresh and new, this whole series. Of saying, Lord, refresh me and, and remind me about things of Of the resurrection and how we're to encounter that Lord, because man, in the resurrection, I find new life, I find real hope, I find real love, I find real grace. And so, Lord, just remind me of these things, refresh me with these things. And so, I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 12. And we're gonna start in verse 38. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. And so before you read it together, uh, I just want to remind you of some of the context that's, that's happening before these verses. And the biggest part of the context is that Jesus has been living and has been in his ministry, and he's been doing a lot of really cool things. He's been doing miracles. He's been healing people. He's been driving out demons. And, and really the last thing that Jesus did before these verses was drive out a demon. And was fascinating is that these people were like, okay, this guy drove out demons, like, you must be like Satan or sent by Satan. And Jesus is like, dude, like, how can Satan drive out Satan? You know what I mean? He's like, isn't that contradictory? And so he's like, no, it's not, I'm not sent by Satan and I'm not driving out these people or driving out these demons through Satan, but it's, I'm doing it through the power of God because I am God because darkness can't drive out darkness. It's light that drives out darkness. And so this is a little bit of the context that we see before we get to this passage. So let's stand together and let's start reading in verse 38. It says this, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign? But none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Verse 41. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. And praise praise be to God. God. The textual idea that we see in in all these verses is that even after many miracles, The Pharisees still question Jesus as the son of God. They still question him after everything that he's did. And and if you haven't got the hint yet, our sermon idea is get the hint. Okay, so if you're writing notes, I want you to write down, get the hint as our sermon idea. So the first thing that we're going to see from verses 38 to 40 is this. We need to look at the resurrection, that's the very first thing we see. We need to look at the resurrection. Here we encounter Pharisees, and these Pharisees are really fancy guys. You know, they, they think they know it all. They're, they're Pharisees and they're scribes and they're experts of the law. They're experts of the Old Testament. And, and really a fun fact about the Pharisees is that before they could become Pharisees, they had to memorize the entire Torah. It's like, whoa, they had to memorize that entire thing. They had it all in their brains memorized. And and so these Pharisees, they encounter Jesus just once again. And it's really funny, they call him teacher. So the Pharisees had like some respect, you know, because they were teachers themselves. They had some respect towards Jesus and calling him teacher and saying, okay, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Man, this is first calling him teachers, the first glimpse of their unbelief. And then as they kept on going, we see just even a greater uh, glimpse of how they really didn't believe in Jesus. Do you guys remember when, when Jesus and Peter had this conversation and Jesus is like, hey, who do you think like, people say I am? And Peter's like, well, you know, this, this, and this. And he's like, okay, well, who do you say I am? He's like, well, man, you're Lord. And so it's fascinating as we look at that difference That these Pharisees are calling him teacher, and they're not calling him Lord. They're not calling him anything that would equate him with God. And it's fascinating as you look at this. Remember the context that we gave? We gave the context that before this, Jesus had already done all these miracles. So Jesus has already done all these miracles, all these signs. And the Pharisees have the audacity to say, hey, we want to see a sign from you. Apparently, casting out demons and healing people was not enough for the Pharisees. Apparently, they're like, man, we just need something more. We need another sign. Like, we want you to prove it. Like, we want you to prove that you're actually from God and not from Satan. And Jesus is like, I can just, in his mind, maybe, I I don't know, this is just me. I can see his mind being like, really? I can kind of feel him because this is kind of how I feel when people ask me, hey, speak Spanish for me. And I'm like... Really? I just, you did not hear me speak Spanish like that whole time over there? Yeah, I just like say a word. It's like, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? And this is kind of what I, what I see in here because if you notice, the Pharisees didn't ask him to do a particular thing. He said, hey, just give us a sign, anything. Me say any word in Spanish, just do it. And they didn't specify on the particular sign that they wanted to see. Really, they were just like, man, prove it. Prove it. And Jesus is like, man, well, we're going to see what he says. We're going to see what he says. But I just can't imagine that distrust from the Pharisees, that distrust from them of saying, man, we just want this sign. We want this impressive sign where, where you, know, you make it just so, 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 so clear that you are God. That's what we want. Well, the thing is, if we think about Jesus and the miracles that he did, man, all these miracles from, from him, from God, were just gifts. They were gifts from God. And, and let's be honest, Miracles were a part of Jesus's proclamation. So you can say that miracles were a proclamation and not a performance. That is such a a drastic difference because with all these miracles, Jesus wasn't really performing. He was proclaiming that he was not only sent by God, but he was God himself. And so we see that Jesus, he answers, he's like, man, You guys are wicked and adulterous because you ask for a sign. But you know what sign you're going to get? You're going to get the sign of the prophet Jonah. Because apparently you didn't get the hint before. So, you know, you guys who have memorized the entire Torah and know the, you know, you're an expert of the law and the whole Bible, apparently. I'm going to take you back to what you know in this sign of Jonah and see what you guys think. Because this is a sign I'm going to give you. This is a sign I'm going to do to hopefully reveal the hearts that you have and, and hopefully make a connection. And so he says that this is the sign of Jonah, that for us Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, not the whale, for all of you tell people, not the whale. So the Son of God will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus makes the connection back to Jonah. If you think about Jonah, he was swallowed up by a giant fish. Let me tell you, if I was ever swallowed up by a giant fish, you are glad to think I'm dead. Like, you can go ahead and think, okay, this guy's not coming back. <laughs> He's in the belly of a big fish. And so if you think about Jonah and his story, like, I'm pretty sure people thought he was gone. He's done, so. But he wasn't. And so Jesus is making this whole direction of saying, man, you thought he was dead, but then he really wasn't. he came back and he proclaimed. He went to the city where God told him to go to say, man, you're going to proclaim my word. And Jesus is saying, man, okay, you remember that? Okay, so I'm going to give you a parallel between that, but I'm actually going to die. Like, you're not going to think I'm dead. No, I'm going to be dead. And just as Jonah, in a sense, came back to life from being inside the belly of this huge fish. Well, I'm gonna come back to life from being in the dirt, in the earth. I'm gonna come back to life and, and I'm gonna proclaim that I have power over all things. And, and as you think of the story of Jonah, I think it's so fascinating how when Jonah he when he left uh I guess the water, I don't know how he left the, the fish in particular, but whenever he got to Nineveh, he didn't say, guys. This is where I was before, but now I'm here. Jonah actually didn't say anything of what happened before. He went there and he said, I proclaim the word of the Lord that I had for them. And so what Jesus is saying is like, man, not only am I proclaiming the word of God that I have for you, that that God has for you, but I'm actually giving you a sign. I'm actually going to come back to life to where you have both the evidence of me coming back to life and proclaiming the word of the Lord. And just as Jonah went and and he shared with them what God had to say, man, Jesus, not only is he sent by God, but he is God himself. So you could say that that Jonah went and and he's just a human being sent by God. And the people still repented wholeheartedly. And he's like, how much greater do you have in me? how much greater do you have me and Jesus that you can't repent wholeheartedly because something greater has come? And I just love this whole illustration that Jesus uses because he's using this historical truth, this historical truth that that the Pharisees knew. And so as an application of all this, man, I, I want us to make sure that we must encounter the historical truth. As we think about who Jesus is and what he's done, we must encounter the historical truth. Because that's, in a sense, that's what Jesus was using in order to help the Pharisees make the connection of saying, man, you haven't got the hint yet. Let me show you back in the Old Testament to see if you really saw the entire Old Testament with open ears and open hearts, you would see all of what I've done. And so we must encounter the historical truth. About a year or so ago, and I've shared some pictures of my trip to Israel, but I thought it'd be really cool to show you these pictures. In Israel, when we went there, they showed us these two spots where they think that Jesus was potentially buried, and it was really cool, and I can only show you one spot, because the other spot, they actually took my phone, and I couldn't take pictures, and I was like, well, man, that's crazy. I, can't take, I can only take a mental picture. And so uh, I just want to show you this because it was just incredible to just walk in to a place. So this is the front. We had to wait in the line with, with all the people. This is the front. And as you, as you walk in, it was just so cool to see inside of saying, man, this, this could potentially be one of the places in which Jesus was buried. And it's just a cool moment to just sit there and to be like, stand there and be like, whoa, okay. You know, at least this gives me a feel for how people were buried back in the day. And there's one, there's one aspect I want to make sure you guys get from, from this picture and the next one. I don't know if you've already seen the next one. Okay. From the looks of it, tell me if I'm wrong, it looks empty. I don't think anyone's in there. I don't think anyone's in there. As we look at the historical truth of who Jesus is and as we look at what other scholars have said, Scholars that are both believers in Jesus and scholars that are not believers in Jesus all can come together and admit that the tomb is empty. That the tomb is empty. Now there's some people that say, well, you know what, you know, maybe somebody like stole the body or maybe someone did this with the body, did that with the body. They're saying the tomb's empty. So how do we respond, right? They say, man, well, the the body was stolen. You know, you you can't tell me that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Well, there's a second thing that all scholars really uh, say that is true. What they say is like, man, after the resurrection and the proclaimed resurrection, the apostles and these people, they preach the resurrection, not like somewhere out there outside of where he died and where he rose again, but he preached it in that very same area. And so it would be so hard to hide. It would be so hard to lie when you are proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus in that same place where you saw him die and come back to life. It's like, man, that's what we're proclaiming. And you can even go down a little bit deeper where people back then and people now are dying in the name of Jesus. They are dying because they're like, I truly believe that Jesus rose from the grave. The apostles, they, were, they literally found it joy to die because they're like, I saw it with my own eyes that Jesus rose from the grave, that he has power. I saw it with my own eyes, and I will die for that because he is my Lord. He is my Savior. Man, I find comfort and completeness in him. And these people are willing to die, so it's like you can't call us liars. You can't tell us that we stole the body because we saw it happen, and I'm willing to die for that. As humans, we're not willing to die for lies. If I'm going to die for something, I'm going to die for something true. And that's exactly what was happening. And the third thing that scholars can agree upon is just this interesting fact that all the writings say that women found empty tomb first. And the reason this is interesting is because in ancient Israel, in these ancient days, in the ancient uh, first century culture, women didn't have the highest of prestige. Women were not really looked at as, as these people who had authority or people who were able to uh, give some kind of, this kind of news. If this would have been a made-up story, it is factual that they would have just said, men found the tomb. They're like, okay, if this made up story, might as well just say, hey, men found it because that was part of the culture. Because what we see by women discovering the empty tomb, that countercultural in every single way. And so we must encounter the historical truth and, and all of these things I hope lead us to look at the resurrection and look at him because Jesus himself is the resurrection. He's not just a person that, came back to life, but he is the resurrection himself. So the first thing that we saw in verses 38 to 40 is that we have to look at the resurrection. The second thing that we see comes from verses 41 and 42, and it says we need to look at the ramification. We need to look at the ramification. And this word ramification is is just a fancy word because I wanted to use an R word to be honest with you that really just means there is consequence. And we have to look at at the consequence. And so let's look at the consequence of what will happen, not just to the Pharisees, but to all of those who will not believe and repent and confess that Jesus is Lord. It says here in verse 41, The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, And now something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. Man, the Pharisees are honestly confronted with this reality. Because Jesus is saying, man, God sent Jonah to Nineveh and they repented and they believed the queen, this queen from the south went to Solomon because she heard all the wisdom that he had and she believed. And you are looking at the resurrection. You're looking at the God that sent them and you still don't believe? He's like, my goodness. I'm li- like, like literally, you could probably say that Nineveh and, and, and the queen are probably some of the worst of the worst Gentiles, And he's looking at them he's saying, some of the worst of the worst Gentiles, man, they will be condemning you and and they'll be condemning these Jews who think that they know me. Man, that is, that is a tough pill to swallow if I'm a Pharisee and if I'm a Jew who hears that. I was like, you're telling me, you're telling me that those Gentiles are going to condemn me because I'm not repenting? And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, I am. It's like, man, why in these moments when we encounter the Lord like we just did, why in those moments where we're in the word and we encounter the Lord, why do we not repent? It's like, Lord, like when you bring sin to my, like when you allow me to see the sin in my life, like I am supposed to repent and believe God, I look at the, honestly, he uses Nineveh and the queen as an example. And he's like, Lord, I, I look at those examples and I need to be like them, even though I could consider myself as worst of the worst. Lord, I want to be like them and repent, understanding that, yeah, I have tons of sin in my life, but I need you. And I find it fascinating how we do see the queen here from the south going to Solomon, who you'd consider Solomon as one of the wisest people on earth. And what I, can re- like, what I can just hear Jesus saying is like, man, this queen went to the guy who had the wisdom of God and you are looking at the wisdom of God. Man, you guys are looking at the wisdom of God and you're still not repenting. He's like, come on guys, get the hint. I am right here because someone greater than Jonah is here. Someone greater than Solomon is here. He goes, I'm the greatest, and I'm standing right in front of you, and you're missing it. Man, I, I just don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it as Messiah. I don't want us to miss it as a church. And so as we, as we look at what Jesus was doing here, an application for us that we see in these verses is that we must encounter the logical truth. We must encounter the logical truth. You see, when we're faced with the resurrection, one of our responses to the resurrection that we clearly see in this passage is that we must repent. Our response, one of our responses to the resurrection is repentance. Amen. And when we see the resurrection, we encounter the resurrection, we have to look at the facts. We have to look at the facts that Jesus was and is real. He is real, and he's like, man, I made myself known, and I, and I love you. And when we think about what Jesus has done, we have two options, if I'm being honest with you. Again, if we're going to think about this logically, in the truth of what Jesus has done, we have two options when it comes to Jesus. We either adore him, or we ignore him. We either adore him, or we ignore him. And men, I, I want us to look deeply in our lives because as I was studying this and as I was preparing for it, I had to just take a moment and say, Lord, I need to take a moment and study my own life and saying, where in my life am I adoring you and where am I ignoring you? Because God, I just, I don't want to live a life that's completely ignoring you. I don't want to live a life that literally just shoos you away because I truly just want to adore you, Jesus, and who you are. Because there are moments in our life that we actually do much rather ignore God than to listen to Him to adore him and we should be a people who want to see other people adore him I mean that's why we showed this video of compassion that's why in the intro video you had Susan, talk about this is what's going on with our compassion children, because we as a church and we as a people find it necessary to proclaim the gospel here, there, and everywhere, even all the way to Nicaragua to saying, man, we want all of these kids in all of this town to adore the one and only Jesus. The one and only Jesus. So that's my question and really ending question. Are you adoring or ignoring the resurrected king because we cannot escape encountering him we cannot escape who he is and, and and really if you're someone in here that has encountered the resurrected Jesus how is that truth changing you how is that truth absolutely changing your attitude your desire your culture your habits who you are because sometimes we don't want to self examine ourselves because of what we'll probably find and so according to the scripture man let us adore Jesus let us adore him with our mouths with our lives with our with our thoughts and look, maybe, maybe you're in here today and saying, Misael, I've never really heard this. So I've never really encountered the resurrection. Well, man, can I tell you that this morning you, you can encounter him like right now? You can encounter him right now because it is true. It is true that God exists and it is true. That he came down to our filth and that he lived a life we cannot live because he was perfect and we're not. Look, I'll be the first one to tell you I'm not perfect. But he lived and then he died. I think all of us can do that, right? We can live and we can die. But there's one thing that Jesus could do that we can never do on our own. And that is rise from the grave. So I'm going to put my trust in Jesus because he can do this that I cannot but it goes way further than that because he can also transform me. He can also give me peace and joy and love and hope for right now and for later. And that truth, we should never get tired of. We should never get tired of who Jesus is and encountering him, the resurrected King. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful for this morning. Man, as we were able to sing your word and and, and think of your word and study your word and and being able to come to the table and taste and see that you are good. And Lord, I pray right now that if there's someone in here that has not been adoring you, Lord, I pray that that would change this morning. Lord, I pray that if someone has not encountered you as the resurrected Jesus who has come to save, Lord, I pray that they would encounter you this morning. And Lord, we truly do repent in those moments that we've been like the Pharisees and that we've missed the hint, we've missed the point. We didn't get the hint. And Lord, right in this moment, in this passage, you are foreshadowing What was going to happen? You predicted your own death and resurrection. And so, Lord, may we not miss that. May it change us and transform every aspect of our life.